0: All right. Very good. Uh, I just want to welcome everyone to the opening service of New Philly, Sydney. Uh, uh, We just want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, I know that we have some guests from our uh, local churches in the area that have come out to show their love and support. We also have a handful of people that are looking for a new church or who've stopped going to church, and you are finding your way back to the Lord. And uh, we are just thankful, uh, whatever situation you're coming from, thank you for joining us today. My name is Christian Lee. Uh, This is my wife, Erin. Could you stand up for a moment? This is my wife, Erin. And my wife and I, we are the lead pastors of a small church in Korea called New Philadelphia. And we've been giving leadership to this ministry for six years now. And uh, we both grew up in America, but we are currently calling Korea our home because that's where God has called us. And just to explain to you briefly, New Philly is a multi-site, spirit-filled church consisting of several small to medium-sized congregations. We have two campuses in Seoul, we have one in Busan, and Sydney is our fourth campus. Sydney is also our first international church plant, of which we hope and plan on planting more internationally. And in total, we have about 500 people who are in attendance each week across our four campuses. Uh, we are under the covering of a Korean Presbyterian Church, very conservative pre- Korean Presbyterian Church, called Jeil Seongdo which is of the Hapdong denomination. For those Korean parents that are here with us today, and would like comfort in knowing uh, that we are uh, not a cult, uh, and that we are uh, under a Korean church. Uh, Despite being under a Korean church, we have uh, a lot of autonomy and freedom uh, because of the favor of God. Uh, So we operate very much as an independent church, and so we are so thankful to God uh, to get that kind of autonomy and freedom. And we are so excited to be with you all today, and before I preach, I want to introduce you to some important people whom without this church plan would not be possible. First of all, I want to introduce you to the Sydney leadership team. Uh, they've been sewing into this church plant for the past year. Before this opening service started, they have been praying, they have been meeting, they have been reaching out, reaching out to very special people uh, who have come to know Jesus in a very personal way over this past year. And they've been praying for the opening of the service. There's four of them that I want to recognize. So if I call out your name, just stand, stand to your feet for a moment. David Bay, DJ Kim. Jen Xiao, or Jen Su, or I don't know how you guys say it, and, and Sasha Kim. Could the four of you guys just stand? I just want to thank the uh, four <laughs> Aussie leaders. All right, you guys, take your seat. Uh, they have uh, done such a faithful job of uh, really preparing everything. Uh, including getting our church uh, incorporated and getting the bank accounts and all that stuff ready. Uh, we're just so, so thankful to these four. We also have eight very special people that have been living their lives in Korea for many years. And last year, I punched them. So, in, uh, I remember I was watching the, the movie Social Network. It's about uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook. And anyway, anyway, in the uh, movie uh, at Harvard University, when they have these secret clubs, these kind of very exclusive clubs, in order to get membership to these clubs, they will punch you. And so they will find the popular students, they will punch you, and then those popular students will pray about it and then either join that club or not, okay? Anyway, that's where I got the term per- punching from. And so what I did was I punched uh, – I, I challenged several of our church leaders in Korea to consider quitting their jobs – moving down to Australia, and helping with this church plant. And eight crazy people said yes. Because I would like to recognize those eight crazy people. Uh, David and Hewan, who at the time, they were pregnant with their baby Zoe. And even though they were pregnant, I still challenged them. That's how crazy of a pastor I am. And uh, they were actually quite offended when I first asked them, but... But as they prayed about it, the Lord really confirmed their hearts that this was the Lord's will for them. So uh, David and Helen, if you guys just stand, uh, Graciela Kim, Jamie Lee, Julie Shrek, Peter Jacob, Sammy Lee, and Linda Keel, who will be flying in this Friday. These eight people have left everything behind and come to Australia, uh, still some of them looking for a job uh, in order to just love on Australia, and to open this church plant. And so I just want to honor and recognize our eight Punch Team members. Let's just, uh, let's just thank and honor them. Thank you. All right, you guys, take your seats. And then you saw earlier, uh, Pastors Paul and Jamie Yu, uh, they moved all the way from America to Korea and did a three-month internship where uh, at our church we trained them up, and then they moved down to Australia about a month ago. They are originally from America. Jamie grew up in California. Paul grew up in New Jersey, and I just want to recognize our campus pastors for here, our Sydney Church Plant. Paul and Jamie, you, you guys, stand up for a moment, be recognized. Hey, when y'all give me a bottle of water, you got to open it for me. Okay. All right. <clears throat> All right sorry about that. Uh, we have discipled, equipped, and trained these 14 leaders. And we are confident that they're going to build up a powerful and fruitful church. One that is blessed to be a blessing. Aaron and I will be flying out back to Korea on Tuesday morning. But these guys are here to stay to serve, to lead, and to love, and many of them, all of them have made tremendous sacrifices uh, to plant this church, and I believe that God is going to really bless them, and they're going to reap a mighty harvest, 30, 60, and a hundredfold of that which they have sown. Uh, I also want to take this moment, I want to recognize some special guests that are joining us for service today. Uh The Bible says, honor your mother and father so that it may go well with you. And we have some special parents here uh, today. Uh, DJ, who's on our leadership team, his parents are here. Uh, DJ's parents, could you guys stand up for a moment, just be recognized? DJ's parents just coming out, show their love and support. Thank you for coming. Uh, I believe we also have David Kim's parents. Is that right? David Kim's parents are here. Uh, yeah, they they're just want to see what God is doing here. David Kim's parents, could you guys just stand up for a moment? Let's just uh, honor them. Thank you for coming. Are there any other parents that are here? Uh, we just want to uh, thank you for coming and joining us for the service. And thank you for your prayers and your love and support. Uh, really believe that God's going to move powerfully uh, through this church plant, and so we really appreciate it. We also have some um, uh, leaders and pastors from local churches that are visiting. I may not be, be able to get everybody, but I'm just going to recognize the ones that I see. Uh, we got uh, Pastor Chris Kang. He does the uh, middle school ministry over at Sydney Full Gospel. Chris, could you just stand up for a moment? We also have um, the worship leader. Hey, stand, stand up. Stand up. All right. That's Chris Kang. He's single and available. All right, you guys want to check him out? All right, you take your seat. We also have uh, the worship leader at New Life uh, Cornerstone. All right, we've got KT in the house. KT, can you just stand up for a moment? Thanks for coming out. Uh, I think some of the other pastors that were meant to join us, I think they're probably running a little bit late. Um, are there any other pastors or leaders that I didn't, I didn't see yet? You know, I got a funny story with KT. You know, when I first met KT in 2009, he was a completely different man. In fact, the whole church knew him as being this kind of like this angry guy that never smiled. And even throughout the retreat that I was I was a guest speaker for, uh, KT was just like not having it. He wasn't he wasn't praising God. He wasn't. He was just outside. I don't know. Were you were you like smoking outside or something like that? He, he was he was up to no good. Uh, but through the retreat, uh, the Lord moved powerfully to bring healing and deliverance into his life. And uh, after that, uh, God filled him with the Holy Spirit and, and with, the ho- uh, with, the, with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And KT's life has been radically transformed. And now he's serving a New Life Cornerstone. And I'm just so proud of you, KT, and what God is doing in your life. Thank you for coming out and showing your love for this church plant. All right. All um, right. I wanna take this time and I want us to pray for before I begin my message, I want us to pray for Pastors Paul and Jamie. Because they are going to really be providing leadership for this church plant. And so uh I'm gonna ask my wife to come up. Come on. Pastor Paul and Jamie, could you guys stand right here? I'm gonna ask everyone just stretch out your hands to Pastors Paul and Jamie. And I want all of us just to take maybe like 30 seconds to speak a blessing over their leadership and pray that God will firmly establish their leadership, that they will function and serve not accordance to how man sees them, but accordance to how God sees them. And God is the one who's chosen them to come and plant this church here and to serve and give leadership to this local church. So let's really speak blessing over Paul and Jamie. Let's pray. Come on. Paul and Jamie, we just speak the blessing of God over you, and we publicly approve of the call of God on your life. The Lord has been training you up over the years. Paul, as you went out to Campus Crusade and got your training, and then further when you went with Paul, uh, Jamie to Westminster and finished all your training, all the training that you had at your youth group in New Jersey, all of this God used to prepare you for this, for this calling, and we publicly approve and confirm that you are not following the will of man, but the will of the Lord. And you are here as the campus pastors, not by the will of man, not by man nor from man, but by Jesus Christ and through the Father who sent Jesus onto this earth. So he sends you here to Australia to serve and to love and to disciple. We firmly establish your leadership here. New Philly, Sydney,
1: and we just pray, God, that as you have led them here by your spirit, that you would just continue to use them to just lead supernaturally, Father. That the level of discernment and wisdom that they carry, the level of authority and anointing that they have, God, when they um, preach, when they counsel, when they love on those, Lord, um, here in Sydney. We pray, God, may it be supernatural. May it be beyond what they're capable of in their own means and in their own ways. And so, Father, we just pray blessing over them. We pray blessing over their marriage. We pray pray blessing over their future family. And we just speak forth your love and your affirmation over these two. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: All right, so. Yeah, the yeah. We don't want it to get saw in here. If you're looking for a new church, we hope that you will prayerfully consider joining New Philly. Actually, by a show of hands, how many of you guys are in here and, and you're actually looking for a new church? All right, you're not just here just for uh, the opening service, uh, but you're here and you're looking for a new church. All right, raise your hand. We just want to see it. Uh, How many of you guys are actually in a search? All right, very good. Okay. So if you are in that place, we hope that you will prayerfully consider joining New Philly. And if today's visit doesn't convince you to stay, we encourage you to keep coming out. It will get better and better. (laughs) Uh, uh, But even after coming out again and again, if it it still doesn't convince you, there are many other local churches in the city Amazing local churches and ministries that you can also check out. Uh, But whatever you do, do not give up on your search for a church. It is one of the most important decisions you can make in your life. It will affect your life, the quality of your marriage, how you go about your career. It's like one of the most important decisions you can make next to, you know, following Jesus. You know, so I just want to encourage you as you continue your search. And I just want to take a moment and share with you the story of how we planted this church. Is that okay? I'm going to just take a moment and share with you that story. From 2009 to 2011, the Lord opened up doors for my wife and I to minister several times here in Australia. When we came to minister, we saw God move very powerfully by his spirit. And we began to develop a heart for the young people here in Australia. And in early 2012, as I was uh, church planting in Pusan, I was in the place of prayer. And as I was praying, the Lord put a burden on my heart to church plant in Australia. It was the first time I ever got that kind of holy burden. I shared this with my wife. And then we prayed into it, not knowing how the Lord will move. In July of 2012, that same year, my wife and I were visiting New York City. And we were having lunch with my college mentor and his wife. My college mentor was an Italian-American pastor named Brother Michael. And he had a very strong gift of prophecy. And in the middle of the lunch... They prophesied that we will be church planning in Australia. And it was a direct confirmation that this was not some ambitious idea, but that it was the calling of the Lord. A week later, Aaron and I were in Sydney and also in Melbourne to minister at FLM, which is the English Ministry of Sydney for Gospel, and at ECF, which is a ministry in Melbourne. And during that trip, actually that trip, was my fourth time in Australia. And during the trip, we celebrated our four-year wedding anniversary. And I felt like the Lord was whispering to my heart, I want you to get ready to plant your fourth church plant in Australia. And during that week, we met with various local church leaders and we just presented the idea just to get their feedback. And... Many of the pastors and local leaders, they were very positive and showed uh, support and encouragement for us to go forward with a church plan. And their words were a big confirmation and really solidified our decision to move forward. When we got back to Korea, we shared this desire with our Korean mother church, which New Philly is under, and we were concerned about how they would respond But the senior pastor and the elders were unanimous and enthusiastic about our plans. And so we were given the final green light to proceed. God had put Sydney and Melbourne on my heart, and we discerned that Sydney would go first. And so by December of 2012, the public announcement went out at a Sunday service, and then the excitement began to build. Shortly thereafter, a team of four Aussies who are living in Sydney came together and they committed to help with the church plant, sensing God's call on it. Most of them flew out to Korea for our churchwide retreat and they received leadership training with us and they became known affectionately as the four horsemen. Those are the four people that stood up earlier. And when I prayed about who to send, to serve as the campus pastors for this new church, hey, give me some more mic. The Lord put, oh, the Lord put two of my New York disciples on my heart. Uh, before I became a pastor, I was doing ministry with a college ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. Our Koreans know it as Shishishi. and I was looking for leaders over this church plan. I felt like the Lord put Paul and Jamie on my heart. Uh, When I was in New York, they were uh, in my small group uh, when I was doing ministry at Columbia University. And so I didn't ask anyone else. I called them up right after they graduated from seminary, and I challenged them to drop everything and move to Australia to help with this church plan. I didn't know how they would respond, but they took they um, they were uh, very thankful for even the opportunity and they prayed into it. And after one month, they called back and said, yes, that was a good thing because I didn't have a plan B. (laughs) (laughs) And then back in Korea, Aaron and I, we challenged several of our new Philly leaders to consider moving down to Sydney for two and a half years to help with the church plant. I thought it would take maybe two to three months to find, you know, a group of eight, ten people. But within like two or three weeks, six singles and a pregnant married couple said yes. God was orchestrating everything and working it out according to the prophetic words that we have received. We have no doubt that God has called us to church plant here in Australia and we are excited to partner with God and with the local churches here in Sydney to, to see all of God's mighty plans for Australia being revealed. So that's our story of how we came to church plant in Australia. I grew up in America. I'm a Korean American, is how most people call it. I'm a Korean American, but I'm not here to try to, plant a bunch of churches that are led by americans okay that's not my plan or intention what i want to see is i want to see the aussies rise up i just want to help that along i just want to come and serve you and 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 the team is here to serve you in such a way so that we can raise up the aussies to be an army of mighty warriors unto god actually that's the vision of our church to raise up an army of mighty warriors who will go out in the anointing of the Holy Spirit to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives. It's a really long vision statement. All you have to memorize is to raise up an army. That's, that's what we're all about. The reason why I chose that vision is because when I looked upon the church as I was growing up, you know, I received Christ when I was a very, at a very young age. I became a Christian when I was 12 years old. And I grew up in a um, family where my mom was a Christian, but my dad was anti-Christian. And to this day, my dad is still not a believer. So if you can join me in praying for him, I appreciate that. But I grew up in that kind of dysfunctional, divided home. But God, in his grace, he called me at an early age. And from 12 years on, I became a Christian, and I started to grow up in the church. And there are a lot of things in the church that was a blessing But there were also a lot of things in the church that troubled me. And one of those things was when I read the Bible, I read about how the early church was victorious. They knew who they were. They were confident. They were bold. Even in the face of opposition, even when riots broke out in cities, these Christians were bold. They had no fear of man. They spoke up for the truth. They moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. They saw miracles and healings. And I read that in the Bible. But when I went to church on Sunday, I saw a lot of just defeated Christians. People who didn't know who they were. People who were struggling with depression, anxiety, fear. And it looked like the devil was just having a field day with the church. Just beating them up. Making them afraid. And so when I got the opportunity to become a pastor, that was one thing that was burning in my heart. I want to see the church raised up, not as a bunch of gathered wimps, but raised up as an army of mighty warriors. In fact, in Ezekiel 37, there's a vision that the prophet Ezekiel has of a valley of dry bones. A valley of dead, dry bones. And as Ezekiel is commanded to prophesy over these bones, these bones, they start to shadow Uh, rattle and shake (laughs) okay so rattle and shake is shadow all right and they come together and they start to rise up on their feet and then as ezekiel continues to prophesy the breath of god and in the hebrew the word breath is also synonymous with the word spirit as he prophesied the breath of god the spirit of god to enter these bones The Bible says that they rose up as a vast army. That imagery really captured me. And I was like, Lord, I believe that that's the kind of church you want me to help raise up. And so that's become the vision statement of New Philadelphia Church is to raise up an army. Inside of you, there's courage. Inside of you, there is strength. You know, in a lot of churches, churches will tell you you're a failure, you're a sinner, you're weak. And those things, you know, in, in a certain sense, those things are true. But what I see in the Bible of the gospel narrative is the gospel narrative just doesn't tell you you're a sinner, you're a failure, you're weak, and then leaves you there. The gospel narrative says, let the weak say, I am strong. That should be the identity and destiny of the church. Not for them to just say, oh, I'm, I, I messed up, I'm a failure, I'm still a sinner, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a loser, oh, I'm a failure. No, it's to say, I know I'm weak, but in Christ I am strong. I know I have some failures, some mistakes from my past, but they don't have to hold me back. Because in Christ I'm a new creation. Through his blood I'm forgiven. I'm given a new beginning, a new identity. This is not on my notes here, I should not be going off too, too long. All right. Uh, let me continue with my message here. All right, but uh, that was that was a freebie for somebody. All right, That talked to somebody. That spoke to somebody. Um, I just want to uh, describe three aspects of what New Philly as a as a church, uh, what we are. Three things. Number one, we are a multi-site church. As so I mentioned that already. Uh, with Sydney, we will have four campuses. And we also have a college ministry called Emmaus. There are several of you in here who were touched by our college ministry. And in Korea, we are at four university campuses, Yonsei, Iwa, Seoul National, and Korea University. So we have uh, a college ministry that's at four universities, and we also have four church campuses. So we're a multi-site church. Second, we are a word-based church. Hear me. We love the word of God. Look at my Bible. All right, this is a Bible that is tore up. In fact, it's been with me to several missions trips, Kazakhstan, to, to the borders of North Korea, to uh, you're not supposed to know that, by the way, and uh, to Cambodia. Actually, I went one time. I went to the Philippines and I left this thing on the podium. I have a bad habit. After I preach, I leave my Bible on the podium, and some Filipino pastor found it, saw my name in it, and then he he like expressed it over to Manila, and then somebody. Uh, brought it over to Korea for me. Even if I try, I cannot get rid of this Bible. (laughs) The word of God, it follows me around. Hallelujah. But anyway, our church is a word-based church. And in a postmodern world where people prefer to pick and choose what to believe, New Philly is a church that upholds a very high view of Scripture. We believe that Scripture is the word of God. The Bible is the word of God. And as the lead pastor, I personally believe the historic position of scripture's complete truthfulness this is also known as inerrancy it is highly unpopular to hold to this belief and many seminaries since 1971 they've moved away from it but i believe that the healings exorcisms miracles and even the resurrection of christ that's described in this bible happened exactly as described some people will even call me crazy and say that I I believe that even the Genesis account was meant to be read literally. That it's not just a a mythological story of the Big Bang being adapted to the Hebrew uh, religion. I believe that the book of Genesis describes exactly how creation came to be. Because I believe that's how Jesus read Genesis when he read Genesis. He saw Adam and Eve as literal people. Cain and Abel as the literal people. Anyway, that's beside the point. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Uh, these are not mythical stories in the Bible that are contained to just teach us about ethics and morality. This is the truth and the word of God. And I believe that the Bible not only informs us about right doctrine, but it also contains details that are historically, genealogically, geographically accurate. Archaeologists archaeologists are continually confirming the records that are contained here in the Bible. When a church has a high view of Scripture, I believe they also have a high view of Jesus. And so anyway, we are multi-site and we're word-based. Third, I want to mention is New Philly is spirit-filled. People outside of our church like to label us Charismatic. I say charismatic This label is very subjective because different people understand it differently. And so I prefer just spirit-filled. So if you want to call this charismatic, that's fine, but it's a loaded term. So I prefer just spirit-filled. There are some churches today that describe themselves as charismatic but cautious. Have you ever heard of that? Some pastors describe themselves as being charismatic with a seatbelt. I can certainly relate to people who have concerns and fears with the supernatural moves of the Holy Spirit. I personally did not grow up in a charismatic church or a Pentecostal church. I grew up in a Presbyterian church that was most of the time very quiet and very safe. We did our quiet times. We prayed silently now and then now and then we prayed out loud but it was a very safe environment but later in college or uni as you guys say when i was a uni student god began to open up my experiences to the power and gifts of the holy spirit this initially made me very cautious very uncomfortable and so i can certainly understand why some christians who grew up in a quiet environment would want to wear a seatbelt. But over time, I learned that the Holy Spirit, he's a person. He's not like electricity, some force and power that's just like, just just blasting people everywhere. The Holy Spirit is a person. He has emotion and intellect. He makes decisions and he can be grieved. The Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And I found out that the Holy Spirit is good. He's loving. And he's not out to scare us. And I also learned that Christians can develop something called discernment through the Word of God and through intimacy with Jesus. When I learned all of these things, that's when I eventually took my seatbelt off. I think being open but cautious is a good season to be in, but only if it is temporary. Eventually, we got to stop making excuses for our lack of faith. If it's real, and if that's the way that that God is still moving, then we got to learn to embrace it. We got to open our hearts to it. Imagine how differently the book of Acts would have been if the apostle Paul decided he was charismatic with a seatbelt. I thought that was funny, but uh. Can you imagine the Bible? The New Testament would have been completely different if the early church leaders decided to be charismatic with a seatbelt. So I see it more as a transitional season. And if you think about it, a seatbelt is utilized to protect us from destruction and death. But the last time I checked, the Holy Spirit may be unpredictable, but he never brings destruction and death, only life. He is symbolized in John seven thirty nine as a river of living water. All this to say, New Philly is a spirit-filled ministry, and we make no apologies for it. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and our leaders move in the anointing power of the Spirit. We believe in miracles, healings, and supernatural moves and manifestations of God. And we regularly see miracles, healings, and supernatural manifestations. And we believe that it is our call to teach and to share testimonies and to inspire the wider body of Christ to embrace the fullness of the Holy Spirit's ministry. I am in the business of helping people take their seatbelt off. Anyway, so those are three characteristics of our church. We're multi-site, we're word-based, and we're spirit-filled. And so, if you don't have that kind of um, spirit filled background, there are going to be things in here that might be new to you. But can I just assure you that it is safe? That our leaders are not just, as some Aussies call, uh, airy fairy. I've heard of that term here. Is that what you guys use? Airy fairy. We're not just, oh, Holy Spirit, oh, Holy Spirit. Like, no, we're, we're grounded in the Word of God, we know who we are in Christ. And we minister in the power of the Holy Spirit with discernment. And we feel like something is not from the Holy Spirit, we will call it out for what it is. We believe that the church should be a pure bride. There should be no mixture. A lot of times, churches that open up to the Holy Spirit, the reason why there's so much confusion is because there's mixture in the leadership. There are church leaders that mix up the Holy Spirit's power with psychic powers. Or they mix up supernatural Holy Spirit moves with occultic practices. When there is that kind of mixture, there's going to be confusion. But here at our church, we're proud to say that our leaders, they are healed. They are pure. They are set apart from those things. And so it's safe. I'm going to start my sermon now. (laughs) All right, but look... don't oh, worry, my sermon's not gonna go that long. All right, and hey, hey, look, y- y'all don't y'all don't have me every week here. Okay, so let me have my time. Okay, let me just just finish this out. Okay, uh, if you have your Bible, and I encourage everyone to bring your Bible uh, when you're coming out to our church, Isaiah 60. Turn to Isaiah 60. And I know it's popular to put the Bible verse on the PowerPoint or look at it through your smartphone. I personally, I still like the book. I still like having a physical book. So I want to encourage you, if you keep coming out to New Philly, bring a physical Bible with you every week. Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah is a book in the Old Testament. I'm going to read verses 1 to 3. And I just share with you what kind of church New Philly is. And through my sermon, I want to cast vision of what kind of church New Philly wants to become here in Australia. Okay? So Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 3. Arise. I'm going to read it in the NIV. So uh, just be aware of that. Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Isaiah chapter 60. I believe that this passage is a prophetic word. For the future of the Australian church. This is what I have discerned in the place of prayer. As I was praying for Australia and for the Australian churches. The entire scene. The Anglicans. The Prezies. The uh, Pentecostals. The Hillsong. C3. All the churches here. Korean churches. As I was praying for the church scene here in Australia. I felt like the Lord highlighted Isaiah chapter 60. Arise and shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him, the glory rises upon you. That's right, the glory. God desires to awaken and to raise up the Australian church to shine his light. Amen? Amen. Matthew 5, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. He also said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl or a basket, but on a stand so that it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Jesus says in this passage, Matthew 5, let your light shine. You know, when the glory of the Lord rises upon you, people will give glory to our Father in heaven. And so Jesus in this passage says, let your light shine. Everybody say, let your light shine. You know, some churches are really, really good. At battling pride. Whenever anyone does anything significant, they make sure that the person stays humble. And so they go to them and say something like, hey, I'm so happy that your business is doing so well. But hey, be sure to stay humble. Or, you know, you may lose the success that God God, uh, gave you. Because, you know, know, when, when it comes down to it, you're nothing but a sinner saved by grace. You know, and certain churches are really good at keeping other people stay humble. And then there are also Christians that are really good at battling pride within themselves. So that if anyone says anything nice to them, for example, hey, David, you led such a powerful time of praise today. Or Pastor Christian, that sermon was amazing. I just got set free as I was listening to it. Certain Christians, they will reply with, oh, oh, glory to God. That that wasn't me. That was Jesus. I had nothing to do with it. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you picked up the guitar. You were up there. You had something to do with it, all right? Just just receive it. But people there, they reject it. You know, they don't know how to just say thank you. Thank you for that encouragement. That really blesses me. But they're constantly battling pride and trying to keep themselves humble and modest. Being mindful of pride's dangers is a good thing. But sometimes I just feel like Christians, they take it too far. They overcompensate, and it becomes this almost false modesty. You know, oh, it wasn't me. Oh, no, it was just all Jesus. Oh, you know. And it, it just—it sometimes uh, it actually it, it turns me off when I see people do that too much. Jesus didn't say, you are the light of the world, but remember to always stay small in your own eyes. I don't ever want you to do anything significant because you might get puffed up in pride. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So let your light shine. What you got inside, let it shine. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, let your light shine. Let Your Life Shine is also a kids song that I used to do on the missions field. Anyway, um, the goal of the Christian life, brothers and sisters, is not to avoid pride. It is to manifest the glory of God. You know, if you avoid pride and you get before Jesus, Jesus is not going to give you stars and, and little stickers and be like, Oh, you avoided pride all your life. Congratulations. It is to manifest the glory of God. And just as some churches are good at battling pride, I have found an entire nation that is obsessed with this cause. Did you just hear what I said? I, I, I? I have found an entire nation that is obsessed with this cause of battling pride. I'm talking about you guys, Australia here. This is my sixth time here in Australia. And altogether, I have visited Australia a total of two months. And during these six visits, I've spoken with various pastors and leaders and young people. And there are several things that fascinate me about Australia. But one of the most fascinating things is something that is called the tall poppy syndrome. Everyone in here aware of the tall poppy syndrome? Okay, I will explain. If I understand correctly... The tall poppy syndrome refers to the social phenomena in which people who achieve something significant are resented, cut down, or criticized because their talents or achievements elevate them above their peers. And if I understand correctly, this is especially prevalent in Australia because it originally started as a British penal colony. Many Aussies traced their lineage to the first convicts that were sent over to this island. They were considered failures in British society. And one thing that they did not like was successful people. Today it manifests as a shared attitude of hostility towards successful people and behaviors that are designed to thwart their success. Australians call successful people tall poppies. And cutting them down to size is called tall poppying. Okay, this is what I found online. All right? I don't know if this is all true, but look, this is what I found online. All right, y'all need to get with this. This is your country, Okay. <laughs> It's the tall poppy syndrome. You know, Aussies, they they're look on TV and be like, hey, hey, yeah, yeah. Prime minister of Australia. All right, that's pretty good. But Look, top prime minister, you ain't nothing. <laughs> right, you ain't better than me. I don't, don't you ever forget it. We just equal, all right? And people have this kind of attitude of cutting people. Down. Or if you have a friend and your friend uh, gets on American Idol or K-pop star, because that person has an amazing voice, you know, and can and sing and, and, and dance and do all these talents. And, and let's say that, that, that guy is just your friend. He's just your mate. When you see him, the first thing you're going to say is not, oh, I'm so happy. I'm so proud of you. Oh, I knew you always had it. The first thing you might say is, hey, keep yourself humble, all right, because we just mates. You ain't better than me. Don't you forget it. And that's kind of like how the tall poppy syndrome may manifest. Now, the good aspects of this social phenomena is that it profoundly esteems humility. Humility is seen as a very high virtue. But there are also a lot of bad effects of the tall poppy syndrome. People who study economic development say that the tall poppy syndrome hinders the growth of Australia's most creative and energetic people, and it also hurts and stunts the economy of Australia. In the church, I've noticed that Australia tends to fly out guest speakers from America. Is that true? A lot of times when churches hold some kind of event here, they will fly out guest speakers from another country. But very rarely do Australian Christian leaders get invited to speak abroad. Have you ever noticed that? that, that, That should bother you, no? Maybe the tall poppy syndrome has played a role in the underdevelopment of Christian leaders in this country. That's kind of something I just want to submit to you. Maybe that's what's happening here. And I just want to ask you to think about it. I'm not the smartest man alive, but I've observed that the tall poppy syndrome, if you study its history, is rooted in what is called envy. Everybody say envy. In the New Testament list of vices, Found in Mark chapter seven, Romans chapter one, Galatians chapter five, first Timothy chapter six. There's just a list of vices like you know, wickedness and selfishness and you know and you know sexual immorality and greed and idolatry, all this there's a list of vices. Each time these lists are created, envy is always listed. This is because envy is very destructive. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30 says, a tranquil, a peaceful heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones to rot. Envy makes your bones to rot. It just from the very inside, envy just gets in and seeps in and it just poisons people. So the Bible says in first Peter chapter two, put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy put away all envy it says in first corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 love is patient and kind love does not envy it does not boast it is not arrogant The most excellent way is not to be envious or anti-pride. The best way that scripture shows us is love. Because love is not arrogant. Love does not boast. Love does not envy. You see, what I think, the message I want to just burn into your conscience today is, Aussies, they need to stop hearing about who they're not. And they need to start hearing about who they are. They're constantly being told, you ain't nobody. Who do you think you are? You got a master's degree. You're you my master now? What? Who do you think you are? And they, they're constantly cutting each other down. They're constantly criticizing each other. Hey, come on. We're just, we're just mates. You ain't nobody. Just because you make a little bit more money. We, you started a pro-yo you know, company. Now you think you, you're better than everybody? <laughs> and we're constantly cutting each other down. All these need to stop hearing about who they're not and start hearing about who they are. And in Christ, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So let your light shine. If God has put it in you, let it flow through you. Let it shine. Matthew 23, verse 12 says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself, will be exalted. What does that imply? That implies that when God sees the human heart, when he sees his people and he sees humility, God loves to exalt them. But wherever he sees pride, he likes to humble them. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that when there is true humility in the heart, God has no problem exalting a man or a woman. To him who has, more will be given. If you're faithful with little things, God entrusts you with much more. Australians are not rising up because you won't allow each other to rise up. Or you will not allow yourself to rise up. And what I want to do today is I want to begin to talk about the culture of God's kingdom in contrast to the culture of Australian society. Not that Australian society is evil or wicked and totally bad, but to make sure that you're thinking through and not just going along and being conformed to the patterns of this world, being conformed to the patterns of Australian society, but that you're thinking it through and saying, well, what? does it look like to be an ambassador, a citizen of heaven, who is living in Australia, how can I bring the culture of my kingdom in heaven down here to this land? And the culture of God's kingdom is a culture of honor. Everybody say honor. If somebody accomplishes something great, the culture of the kingdom is to honor them. If somebody is on their way to uh, a a successful position or something like that the culture of the kingdom doesn't just tolerate them it celebrates them but you know when you have envy in your heart you can't celebrate somebody else's success how many of you in here you 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 guys are single you know you're single don't raise your hand you're single in here and maybe recently your girlfriends they started getting married And you always thought you would go first. But one by one, all your girlfriends are getting married. And they're like, hey, girlfriend, I I just got engaged. I got engaged. But because if if you have envy in your heart, you can't truly celebrate that, can you? Envy rots the bones. But if you're of the kingdom of God, God doesn't want you to envy that friend. God wants you to celebrate with that friend. And if that person is accomplishing great things, learn to honor them for what they're accomplishing so you can bring, up even, bring them out to even a better place, bring out even the best in them. And if you will learn how to bring out the best in others, God will bring out the best in you. But if you're constantly just envious and cut people down, you ain't nobody, you ain't nobody, you ain't nobody, you just going to be a nobody. But if you want to achieve great things for God's glory, If you want to live a life of significance, you got to serve and help others live a life of significance. That's what the the body of Christ should be doing. We ought to be encouraging each other, edifying each other. In the Greek, the word edify means to build up a literal building like this. The same Greek word is used to uh, talk about physical buildings that are built up. we got to learn how to build each other up. You know, some countries, all the buildings, they're just one or two stories tall. They don't get very high. When there's poor infrastructure in certain countries, you don't get higher than the second or third floor. But then you go to other countries, and there's buildings that are super tall. We were just in Shanghai to do ministry. And, man, Shanghai got all these buildings that are 80 floors plus We went up to this building called the bottle opener because it looks like a bottle opener on the top because there's like this uh, empty area in the top of the building. And if you ever get to check out Shanghai, be sure to go up that thing. It's very beautiful up there. But all these tall buildings. I believe. That that's the way the church should look like. We ought to be building each other up onto the glory of God. If God is the one doing the exalting, we don't have to worry about all this pride things. We, well, we can be concerned and mindful, but we don't have to be over-worried, overcompensating for this battle against pride. Everybody say celebrate, celebrate. Not, just not just tolerate. You know, here at New Philly, we try to be a church that celebrates. So if you get engaged... We are genuinely going to celebrate that. If you get a promotion at work, we might just share it from the mic on the next Sunday and everybody will celebrate. And people in the audience aren't going to go all jealous and envious. They're going to be like, what they got, I can get. Their testimony is like a prophetic word speaking over my life. If God did it for them, I serve the same father. He's going to do it for me. And they live lives with faith. As I speak this message out today, my prayer is that there will be a movement of the Holy Spirit in Australia. That will really bring in the culture of God's kingdom, the culture of honor. Because God wants to raise you up. Australian church, God wants to raise you up. Look at what the pastor said earlier. Arise and shine for your light has come. God wants you to arise and shine. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. It appears over you. And in Isaiah 60, verse 3, it says, Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Nations will come to your light. Five, ten years from now, I want to hear about Australian Christian speakers being invited to preach in L.A., in New York. And that Americans struggle to understand the message because of the thick Australian accent. (laughs) That that will be the common story a decade from now. Because Aussies will start to rise up. Australian business leaders will be featured on the cover of Time magazine. On Wall Street Journal we'll be talking about how Australia's economy is going to new levels. Because Australian Christian leaders are rising up and taking their place. That's what I want to hear about. That's what I want to be a part of. It's helping y'all to rise up. So that nations will come to you. And kings. You know what kings are? It's like a metaphor for CEOs, for... uh leaders, any type of, type of high leadership position, kings will come to the brightness of your dawn. That, that David Bay here, that he will not just be the CEO of a Froyo company, but that he will host leadership seminars. And people from all over the world are going to fly out to Sydney to listen to what David Bay has to say. Because like, kings will be drawn to the brightness of your dawn. And of course, we know that this brightness doesn't come from David, but it comes from Jesus. But we don't have to all oh, get off, you know. It's not like God's insecure up in heaven. Make sure everybody knows that it's my light. Make sure y- y- y'all are constantly giving me glory. God's not insecure like that. God is the most secure person in the whole universe. And He celebrates when His sons and daughters rise up to maturity, when they rise up to positions of influence. God exalted a guy named Joseph in the Old Testament to be the the prime minister of Egypt. God exalted a guy named Daniel to be the prime minister of a secular nation. God exalts the humble. And here's the thing. I believe that Australia has the potential to not only... Raise up the most creative and successful leaders, but also the most humble. Why? Because your culture already esteems humility. What you have to do is change the root of that desire for humility from envy to one of honor. New Philly, we just want to be a church that raises up Aussies to new heights of Christian maturity and leadership. And we want to see the sons and daughters of God take their place. Amen? Amen.